0: At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit FreedomHealthWorks.com. As a podcast listener, you know how frustrating it is when the audio is muffled or unclear. How can you have a good listening experience when you can't hear? Healthcare has been the same way. Information isn't clear and it's hard to understand. That's why at Point Health, we're making healthcare easy to find, easy to understand, and easier to afford. And to help with your podcast experience, we're giving you a chance to win a free pair of Apple AirPods. Just visit pointhealth.com healthcareamericana to learn more and
1: enter to win. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I'm your host, Christopher Habig, the CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. Today, we are exploring alternatives to traditional health insurance and what that really means for people, users, businesses looking for a different way to provide benefits or a different way to get that catastrophic coverage that all of us uh, believe we need. And it's usually a very, very good idea to have that. And so we're going to shed a little bit of light about health shares in general and then get into specifics about why these plans work, what they mean, and why some people out there in the world are fighting these uh, when they really should be embracing them as an alternative to, again, very costly health insurance. Today we are welcoming Jenny Agamelian with Sidera, the head of public affairs and strategy. Jenny, welcome to Healthcare Americana.
2: Thanks for having me, Chris. Happy to be here.
1: So we talked about health shares before and we've had people mention it on what they are, what they do. Give us a brief overview of what a health share really is and what it really does for people.
2: Absolutely. So Sadera is a medical cost-sharing organization, and it allows people to come together to voluntarily share one another's large and unexpected medical expenses. Medical cost sharing is not insurance, first and foremost. That's the most important thing to understand about it. It is, however, a healthcare option for people who are looking for an alternative to health insurance, whether that's because um, they need relief from the price um, of insurance or they're simply looking for a way to take control of their healthcare spending and they want to be an active consumer of healthcare.
1: I always like to say that when, when people ask, what is, a, what is a health share? I've heard about them. I like to tell them, well, it's how health insurance functioned before the ACA was passed.
2: So there are some really clear differentiating points between medical cost sharing and insurance. I think the most important thing, the thing that makes medical cost sharing not insurance, is that there's no assumption of risk and no guarantee of payment. So it truly is a voluntary coming together of community for folks to share one another's um, large and unexpected medical expenses, as I mentioned. Uh, but there's no expectation that somebody is going to take away the cost from you. You always retain ownership over your own healthcare expenses. But when you join a community, there are sharing guidelines that really spell out what's shareable and what isn't. And with Sidera, our nonprofit board approves the guidelines, says what's shareable, what isn't shareable. So everyone knows that coming in, it's a very transparent process. And you have an expectation then that when you pay into the medical cost sharing community and have a medical need, if it's shareable according to those guidelines, those medical expenses are going to be shared with you. It's a truly different approach to healthcare that really puts you back into this ownership role. Um, per se, it's very, very different from the existing health insurance system right now where people have ID cards and networks and they're told where to go and putting their card down. And then they're finding out after the fact, after they've received care, how much it costs. And then they're hoping and praying that their insurance company is going to pay those bills. And, you know, that whole system seems to be very shrouded in confusion, complexity And we're trying to cut through all of that, create that direct doctor-patient relationship and make it really a simple personal process.
1: You mentioned that it puts the healthcare consumer back in the driver's seat of really what their care is and their care decisions. And I love that piece. And that really resonates with me because, you know, in in all transparency, like I am a health share member and it's amazing. My wife and I are expecting our our second child and we will save about $10,000 out of pocket by belonging to a health share and being what is considered, quote unquote, uninsured. And it's like, I tell that story to people and they're like, well, wait a minute. I thought health insurance was supposed to save you money Mm -hmm. on medical services,
2: we have a situation right now where more and more people are basically functionally uninsured between their premiums and their high deductibles. They could be out, especially for a family like you're describing, you could be out of pocket over $20,000 before you ever access the healthcare system. And for many people, that's just simply a price that's out of reach. And so, healthcare sharing provides an alternative to that. Again, it's not insurance, it's simply a different option for how to handle expenses related to your health care. Um, but it makes a lot of sense for a lot of families who simply have been priced out of the insurance marketplace.
1: Now, is this something, and this kind of dives into you know why you're providing your expertise in this conversation, is this something that is going to be a fit for every person out there? I know there's limitations and whether there are limitations and there's people who are upset enough to write to state legislatures. Um, Give us a little bit of the legal background of where health shares really came from and then took off post-ACA.
2: So first and foremost, it's important to know that medical cost sharing is not the solution for everyone. It is absolutely critical that the same way that you have a personal lens when you're trying to decide what your individual health care needs are, that you take that same lens to evaluate what. Options are available to you and make sure that you get the right fit for your personal healthcare needs. So it's, it's medical cost sharing part, right? definitely needs to be researched. You need to fully understand what it is because it's gonna ask you to do things differently than maybe you've been trained to do them with regard to insurance. So, first and foremost, not for everyone, but for those folks who, you know, maybe are early adopters who are always looking for that kind of next thing that's going to help them kind of, you know, hack the system, if you will. This is a really interesting option. We talked to a lot of folks who are members of the gig economy who don't have access to traditional insurance options through their employer. And they are looking for something that is, you know, a kind of a workaround that really meets them where they're at and gives them some flexibility with regard to their healthcare decision making. So, you know, that's the kind of the thought process that you go through. With regard to the legacy of healthcare sharing, you know, for decades and decades, we've had organizations that are healthcare sharing ministries that have been in existence, and they kind of came together around different faith traditions to allow people to support one another with their large healthcare expenses. Those organizations um, grew through the 80s and 90s. And then when we were contemplating, or I say we, when Congress was contemplating passing the Affordable Care Act, there was a conversation around how the individual mandate component of the Affordable Care Act would impact those people who were participating in healthcare sharing ministries. And at that point in time, there was a carve out created for those ministry members. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just solidified the existence of the concept of healthcare sharing sharing for the broader public policy realm. And since then, we've seen versions of that safe harbor that's in the Affordable Care Act be passed at the state level. Chris, as you know, there's not a federal Department of Insurance Insurance is regulated at the state level and every state has their own definition of what insurance is or what the business of insurance is. And so for medical cost sharing to exist at the state level and not inadvertently cross into that definition of insurance, Some states have had to take the steps to define medical cost sharing or healthcare sharing ministries, and then make sure that they are not regulated like insurance. Because as we discussed, there are two entirely different products. One is the assumption of risk and a guarantee of payment. It is a contract, and that is the business of insurance. And then you have this voluntary sharing of medical expenses, which is separate from that.
1: It's a really important distinction to make because you hear these horror stories. There was one recently, I think, in the Boston Globe where... A user of a health share got in trouble and it wasn't it wasn't said by any means and and I'll leave the name out, but they got in trouble because they didn't read the fine print and walked into it under treatment of something and uh, came away from, you know, hospital bills with tens of thousands of dollars in hospital charges. But it was interesting to me because they blamed the health share for letting this happen when in reality you're hearing this lady talk and she didn't do her homework and tried to price out the right type of care. She just blindly walked in and said, hey, this is what I think I need, doctor, do you concur? And of course, you know, didn't seek a second opinion or anything like that. So it goes back to the fact that people have to be educated consumers, just like every other part of their life. When it comes to healthcare decisions, you have to be able to make those decisions intelligently and with an educated mindset. And it it, just, so it just blows my mind, right? People just it, give it, up when they talk about medical services.
2: We've been trained to kind of, Well, let me first and foremost say, Healthcare is complex, right? There's not a single person whether they have insurance or they have cost sharing that says, "Man, it is super easy to navigate the healthcare system in the United States. We have the most amazing healthcare system, but we have layers of complexity that are built into it that require us to do our homework." And so that is part of the medical cost sharing mission is to help people start to peel back the layers of the onion to better understand, you know, what care do I need? And first and foremost, let me just say that the way Sidera does medical cost sharing, there are no networks, there's no identification card. It's you and your doctor having a conversation about your personal health care. And that in and of itself is kind of mind-blowing for some people. They they wonder, wait, what, what am I missing? Unless it's I have a card, it's not simple. real, right? <laughs> it's just that simple. And so, you know, having those early conversations and you know, engaging up front to better understand, you know, what care do I need? And then asking this like magical follow-up question, how much does that cost? The last time any of us asked how much something costs in the traditional environment, I'm sure we're met with, well, I don't know, what's your deductible? Or I don't know, are you in network or out of network? I don't know, you know, like there's all these different layers of complexity that shield you from real answers and Mm -hmm. keep us from making decisions based with the same cost information that we make every other buying decision in our entire lives. You referenced the confusion that exists out there with regard to people who are purchasing medical cost sharing and maybe thinking that they were buying an insurance product instead. And it is absolutely critical that consumer protections lead all of the conversations related to medical cost sharing. Like If you're not in the business of medical cost-sharing and really thinking that you're in the education business, then you're, you're missing the mark because you first and foremost have to have people understand what it is that they're purchasing because if they buy medical cost-sharing membership thinking it's insurance, they're going to be totally disappointed and they're not going to understand the differences that are expected of them and the differences between the products. And that's where I think some of these examples that you're talking about in the media came from. I will add to that, Chris. There are some really egregious situations out there that are, you know, they're heartbreaking because we're talking about not only your health being at risk, but now your financial well being. And that is just a devastating and very vulnerable place to be, candidly. But there are people who have insurance who find themselves in those same circumstances. You might be familiar with Dr. Marty McCary who is this amazing physician who has been educating people around the concept of medical debt and how um, large facilities are Attempting to uh, get payment for large facilities, attempting to get payment for medical um, expenses that they've rendered and, you know, taking patients to small claims court and putting liens on houses and garnishing wages and things of that nature. There's a very real affordability crisis out there with regard to health care, and it's impacting people regardless of whether they or not they have insurance.
1: The vast majority of those people did have insurance, and you mentioned the functionally uninsured, which is a term that I love to use and, and tell people about it. But you know, you got five hundred bucks in the in the savings account, and you got a six thousand dollar deductible. So, yes. what good is your health insurance plan? Why not use something that actually fits a little bit better for budgets and for for needs here? Jenny I wanted to take a step back here and focus more on the macro environment of, of what we're seeing in the United States. You mentioned insurance is regulated. At a state by state level, which always fascinates me, uh, because so much of what you hear at the federal level has to deal with health insurance reform, not health care reform. But they just hand this, uh, this stinking pile of rot into states and say, Hey, figure it out here. So there is a lot of overlap and overreach there, unfortunately. But one good thing to come out of legislation, you know, 11 years ago now in the ACA was preserving these health shares because. It's helping local people with like-minded interests, like-minded lifestyles, which I think is very, very important too. Don't penalize me for you know, my neighbor weighing 500 pounds and refusing to take care of themselves. I shouldn't fit the bill for their bad lifestyle issues. How do states react to health shares? Because I know that there is a wave of legislation happening to either you know kind of attack what you're doing or either enshrine it. Tell us a little bit more about those fights.
2: Absolutely. So, we are on the tail end of the 2021 legislative cycle, and we saw about a dozen states pick up and either file or at least talk about filing legislation related to um, medical cost sharing. Pieces of legislation came from two general different directions. One was regulatory bodies and or policymakers who have concerns around consumer protection. Maybe they heard some of the stories that you referenced earlier, and they wanted to make sure that there were very clear expectations for what medical cost sharing is. And that would potentially involve some additional consumer protections, maybe a registration process, some reporting requirements, things of that nature. And we've engaged in those types of conversations across the board with state legislators, with members of Congress with regulators in various states. Because we believe, again, in a very transparent process. And we understand and appreciate that, you know, we're innovating in this space, right? Medical cost sharing is really next gen in, in some regards. It's not the same as, as the legacy healthcare sharing ministries maybe of decades ago. sedera is bringing, you know, a fintech platform into place. We're creating individual medical cost sharing accounts that are backed by an FDIC bank. We're doing a lot of new things in this space. And sometimes regulation lags innovation. And so having those conversations and helping people understand what we're doing makes a ton of sense and we've we're more than happy to step up to the plate and advocate for best practices in this industry and be a partner with policymakers on that front. We also saw legislation being introduced that was being promoted by members of the healthcare sharing ministry space in the Affordable Care Act the way that healthcare sharing ministries were defined there were multiple pieces of a criteria. One of those pieces of criteria was what we call the date-time stamp. It basically said that in order to be a healthcare-sharing ministry, you have to be a community that was formed and or continually serving members since December 31st of 1999. Sedera is a new company. We're formed proudly formed in 2014 with a vision for how to take medical cost-sharing, you know, beyond the ministries and to a community that would be aligned around shared ethical principles. And so for those organizations that happen to have been in existence and meet that date-time stamp requirement, it's a natural barrier to competition, right? Yeah, Um, absolutely. And when you see a proliferation of stories around consumer confusion and there's a wave of wanting to kind of create additional rules for how medical cost sharing should work, potentially your solution or what your mindset is, is no, let's just lock it down. Only those companies that have been in existence for you know 20 plus years are allowed to operate in this space and we're not going to allow any new market entrance. We took the position that the market is going to pick the winners and losers. Government mandates shouldn't. And that competition is a good thing, especially when we're talking about introducing competition into the healthcare space as a whole. We're trying to be an innovative solution for a very real pain point that exists for a lot of people, which is the cost of care and access to care. And so We found ourselves in multiple state legislative arenas having to have conversations about our very right to exist and to take care of our community who've intentionally chosen us after assessing all of the options available to them. And fortunately, we were met with open-minded policymakers who understand that the market is a powerful tool and didn't want to be in a position of curbing the market. They wanted to instead support it and allow for us to continue to operate in those states. I hope those aren't the conversations that we're going to continue to have going forward. Hopefully, as a community of medical cost-sharing organizations, we can uh, work together. We don't all have to look and feel and sound alike. In fact, it's better that we don't because that provides more choice in the marketplace. But we can agree to certain best practices and work to elevate the industry so that it's viewed as a viable and sophisticated choice for anyone who's looking for an alternative to the status quo.
1: Uh, that was that was perfect. You know, I I I'd take that and put that on a T-shirt and a bumper sticker any day. Uh, <laughs> it's one of our values,
2: actually. Intentionally not status quo is a Sidera value, and it's it's my favorite because it gives us the flexibility to be different by design. And I love talking about those differences because I think it's what makes us stand out in the marketplace.
1: Yeah, and that's why it's so refreshing to hear conversations like this, and and hopefully the audience can can agree with me too, because you know at Freedom Health Works we say. We want to give everybody an alternative to the status quo, you know, from doctors to patients to employers, really. And, and I know you do some work with employers as well. And, you know, that's evolving. But I wanted to go back to what you said, dealing with those state legislatures. To me, it's a problem that you have to go in there in the first place. What were those conversations like when you say, uh, all right, hi, I'm Jenny from Sedera. And this is why the language you just passed is a terrible idea. I mean, are there light bulb moments with people or are they coming up with these restrictive ideas on their own out of thin air? Are there driving forces behind it? I have a lot of questions on how we got to that point, right?
2: It's an interesting dynamic. Every state and every state legislature has its own personality.
1: Yeah, 50 different 50 different experiments.
2: And it's so fascinating. You know, I, you know, quote unquote, grew up, my professional career started uh, here in Austin, Texas at the Texas State Capitol. And so I have a full appreciation for the unique dynamics of the Texas legislature. And there's no other state like it. But you could say the same about every other state where we've been doing business. I spent a lot of time talking to folks in Montana and Arizona and, you know, states across the nation. And there's a tendency. I would say, for legislators to want to govern by anecdote. You hear of a bad thing happening and you want to stop that bad thing from happening immediately. You want to make sure that you keep bad things from potentially happening to people. I guess contrary to that is studying the policy and trying to develop principles to govern policy that then makes sense for the masses and allows the maximum flexibility. And then when something does go awry, when that bad thing does happen, because there are always going to be bad actors in a space, there's always going to be someone who tries to take advantage of the situation. You want to make sure that you have rules and safeguards in place to handle that appropriately if and when it does so that you don't allow something like that to proliferate. Rate. Texas has a great medical healthcare sharing safe harbor on the books. And when an alleged bad actor was identified by our Department of Insurance, they were able to issue a cease and desist and, and take the necessary next steps. And because they were able to do that for the bad actor, they were able to assess all of it, again, all of us in the marketplace by the same standard, and then not take action when there wasn't you know, a, a problem that was being noted. So Understanding that you want to maintain maximum flexibility in the marketplace to allow for innovation, to allow for choice, and to allow people to choose those options that make the most sense for them, I think is the goal. And we have, again, I'll just go back to, you know, we're a very transparent organization. We enjoy having, you know, conversations with folks about who we are and what we do and what our goals are, um, not just for creating a meaningful, You know, experience for our members, but also trying to transform the healthcare system to inject some additional transparency into it. Again, that direct care, that freedom from the restrictive networks and ID cards that you have to carry around, things of that nature. We think that there is a non-insurance way to approach healthcare. And we're actually seeing that play out, not just in the medical cost-sharing space, but Chris, I know you're very familiar with direct primary care, with free market surgical centers, with bundled pricing. There are so many different points of innovation happening in healthcare right now, mainly because it has become such a stressor and such a pain point for so many people.
1: Our view, our vision is to create that alternate healthcare industry completely. And organizations like yours are going to be valuable for that because, you know, we find that a lot of people will ultimately go into, oh, this sounds great from a, you know, I get to call a doctor, I get to text a doctor, I get cash discounts. This sounds awesome. But what if, what if a tree falls on me? What if, you know, Sputnik falls out of the sky and hits me on the head? Or what if, you know, I get in a car accident, something bad happens, what then am I, am I just going to lose my house? And You know, it's this emotional response, right? Because it's been drilled into us for so long. And when we bring up health shares, I say, well, okay, but but what does that mean? And and how does this all fit together? I think that's the biggest challenge that we see from our side. What are some of the other challenges that you see impacting Sidera from near-term versus long-term?
2: Well, first I want to just say when I talk to people about healthcare sharing, I get a lot of those same questions. And I know our sales team. Oh, every goes, time. It's the is, emergency what care. Is, what, what happens? I hear that same confusion and stress in the voice of people who are asking if their, you know, traditional health insurance product is going to be there to protect them in those circumstances, also. Yep. Um we as a community, the Sedera medical cost sharing community, have been there for some of the biggest and most expensive medical events that our members have experienced. And so knowing, again, that there is no guarantee, so there is a personal responsibility to make smart choices about the care that you're receiving, to ask questions about price in advance, and to try and seek out value is everyone's responsibilities. But that community component that really, truly is there for you in those either medical emergency type situations or in those really difficult medical events you know a premature birth or a cancer diagnosis you know that's the power of community coming together that's people taking care of people in a really beautiful way that is so different than you know a nameless faceless corporate entity maybe paying your bills maybe not but certainly spinning you around and round and really hoping that they're going to be there when they say they are something that's again a difference between us and the status quo is sideren doesn't own the medical cost sharing dollars our members are not asking us for money to go pay their bills the money lives within the community in every single member's medical cost sharing account and if it is shareable according to the guidelines there's no question about whether or not it's going to be shared it's not our dollars to release the facilitation happens between the members. And again, that's that really good affirming feeling that you are there for someone else in their time of need, and that they're going to be there for you as well. So again, it's just a very different experience, top to bottom. And I think people are looking for something different. They're tired of the stress, the uncertainty, the complexity, and the restrictive nature of, of what they're used to.
1: Well, absolutely. Everybody's desperate for something. Uh, Some of Option And that goes for employers too, right? I know you guys work with with different companies in different capacities, but everyone says, hey, how do I save money? How do I take care of my people? But how do I do it in a cost effective manner where I'm not spending $20,000 on health insurance for one person's family? I mean, it's it's egregious uh, on how much costs uh, have really escalated for insurance type of products, insurance-based products, you know, actuarial-based services. So, you know, one thing that that does pop up and, and, you know, I'll ask you this is you you said, hey, there's no there's no guarantee that we do pay out from the health share standpoint. I want to put a little bit of color around that because, you know, there's no guarantee in life of, of anything except for death and taxes uh, <laughs> at this point, and even higher taxes at this day and age. But I just want to provide some clarity around that because somebody could hear that and say, well, is it just a roll of the dice every time I need to go, you know, I have a a, a knee operated on or a hip or a car accident. And I just want to be clear that that's not necessarily the case. Think about it if, you know, being familiar with health shares that if I went to a bar and had too many drinks and I got my car and wrapped it around a telephone pole, then the health shares say, well, Chris, you're not really following the guidelines there. You're not really acting in, in, in accordance with the values there. So, you know, sorry, this is against our policies. Is it things like that or did I miss the ball there?
2: So our sharing guidelines are available publicly for anyone to review in advance. And that is really what governs the sharing process. I can say that in the history of Sedera, we have fully shared every single medical need according to our guidelines. We very closely monitor the sharing dollars available at the community level so that we have a full understanding of what the sharing threshold is. And so if at any point in time there are more needs, medical needs, than there are sharing dollars, there is a process spelled out in our guidelines for how we would handle that. And it is designed to answer a lot of the questions that you're asking about the what if and the what, you know, what would happen type moments. You know, our our monthly medical shares, what you pay into your medical sharing account. We've had, um, I want to say, three price changes since we started in 2014 Mm -hmm. on one experience. Prices our monthly shares actually went down. And on two, they went up. And again, that is part of that keeping an eye on those dollars to make sure that the community is being responsible with regard to the dollars that are available for sharing. Again, all of that is designed to answer questions that folks have. It's not a guarantee. And, you know, at any point in time, things could change, but not all medical cost sharing companies. Are the same. I would highly recommend that anyone who's considering medical cost sharing as their healthcare option, do some due diligence, ask some questions, you know, find out how people handle the sharing process. Are they pooling dollars or are they doing direct member to member sharing? Are you a cash pay patient who has a caring guide who's going to help you through the sharing process and teach you what to ask and how to shop for care and things of that nature. Are you kind of left to your own devices or are you going to be required to use a network? There's any number of different ways that healthcare sharing organizations have structured their sharing communities Mm -hmm. We believe that we've got the best way of doing it. But at the end of the day, everyone in, who's in the healthcare sharing space is a cash pay patient, and they're out there trying to make a difference and find an alternative to the way that things have been done to date, which, you know, have gotten really expensive and really complex.
1: Jenny, if I didn't know better, it seems like you are a big advocate for people going out there and learning as much as they can about different things before they go out and buy something,
2: which Absolutely. is unbelievable, right? Know, yeah, it's it's- it's- My husband would tell you I'm a professional shopper. So maybe that comes a little naturally. It's my natural instinct to want to know what all my choices are so that I can maximize my purchase. But that is that, that's that. And our CEO, Jamie always says, you know, Americans have a superpower. We know how to shop. We have been well-trained to go into a grocery store and to look at the unit pricing and decide, you know, do I want to spend more for these types of ingredients? Does it need to be organic? Does it need to be free range? Does that need to be biodegradable. Like all the different things that we look at and make active decisions around, we can take that skill set into the healthcare space and start asking those questions too. And I love that there are so many physicians out there right now who are creating these amazing cash pay marketplaces where people like myself who are spending our own dollars can actively compare what is available, and then make a choice based on what's in my best interest. Again, it gets back to that personal dynamic. Healthcare does not need to be impersonal. There is nothing more personal than your own healthcare. And so I know you've mentioned a couple of times the frustrations that employers have being the decision maker for their employees' health care. And sedera really helps with that, medical cost sharing in general. An employer can get out of the health insurance space. They can get out of the healthcare care business for their employees and instead introduce medical cost sharing to their employees and let their employees decide what makes the best sense for them. You know, maybe you need to go out into the individual market and buy an insured product or maybe medical cost sharing makes sense for you, but why should your employer be making that decision? That's something that you should be empowered to make for yourself and for your family. And I'll just say, you know, we're coming out of a really wild historic time with regard to the pandemic. And more than anything, I think the pandemic shone a bright light on why would you connect your employment to your healthcare? You know, there were suffering mass layoffs across all sorts of industries. And when people lost their jobs, they lost their access to care in the middle of a healthcare crisis. And to me, that just makes zero sense. There's no rational reason why, you know, in this day and age, your healthcare should be tied to your employer. More often than not, that keeps people locked in jobs that they would have long since outgrown and keeps them from being the, the the entrepreneur that they want to be or pursuing their dream or their passion and so we want to create an opportunity to support people in pursuing you know whatever that next step is for them and so they don't feel locked in those positions and candidly if I'm an employer and I'm spending thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, and thousands of dollars on a benefit for my employees, I'm going to be so frustrated if my employees don't appreciate it. I mean, there's nothing worse than spending so much time, effort, and money buying someone a gift only to find out that it's not what they wanted. You know, I mean, that's so frustrating. And so, you know, that's why gift cards are so popular, I guess. You give them the money, they go find what they need. No, I'm kidding. But um, it doesn't make sense for employers to be continuing to be in that decision-making role. I think, you know, what we find is that when people do their homework, identify medical cost sharing as a potential option, understand what it means for them and for their families, and then intentionally choose us, they have a really great experience because they are already bought into what it is that we're trying to do and the model, and they're committed to making whatever changes and becoming educated about the process. And then they've got a really great story to tell and probably have some savings along the way.
1: Somebody listening, get involved in those state battles. Maybe they live in a state that is saying, hey, health shares are great. Come on in. One, one for all, all, for one type of thing. But other states that are not as friendly and in, in trying to you know, really turn the clock back 21 and a half years on innovation here to that December 31st, 1999. What can people in those states, one, how do they learn about it, uh, where their state legislature stands, and then how do they get involved?
2: Great questions. I'm all for people getting involved in the political process. I think it's fascinating what you'll learn. And if you really study policy with regard to getting involved in this specific debate, I mean, people are welcome to reach out. Sedara.com is our website and we have a press room where we post, you know, stories, blog posts. Um, You can also find us on social media. My team does a thought leadership Thursday post every Thursday where we introduce you know, interesting policy stories that are impacting the free market healthcare space. And so that's an easy way to follow along. And of course, people can reach out to me directly. I'm always happy to work with our members and with our affiliates and our DPC partners to kind of help connect them to any type of legislative advocacy that we're engaged in at the state level. We have relied very heavily on our people, our members and our advocates to tell our story at state capitals. We find that a personal testimony is so persuasive when people can really demonstrate how something works for them. It takes it out of this esoteric realm and makes it really practical and helps people to realize that it's a real thing and that changing the law will have a real impact on their constituents' lives. And that that's an absolutely critical story to tell, changing the laws impacts how people live. And I think, you know, the people that we work with take that very seriously.
1: I'm always a fan of the grassroots approach. Show the legislature, show the lawmakers that, hey, this is real, this is impacting, and it's actually leading to a a better quality of life. This is why we need to preserve this and not (laughs) corral it or get in the way like a lot of governments enjoy doing with unintended consequences. So, Jane, let me ask you this. This uh, our, Our last question here today where do you see the healthcare industry going, knowing that, you know, looking in your rear view, how, how much progress that, you know, your company's made, how much progress really the, the um, for lack of a better term, the direct care world has made, people, consumers wisening up and actually asking the price. Where do we go from here?
2: Great question. So, you know, my personal story in coming to Sidera It was made in part on the the people who are associated with this company. It was also made in part on the idea of trying to build something from scratch. You know, I've been doing this now for five and a half years. But really, the thing that fueled my decision to join this movement was the idea that what we do here creates a community of people that will grow and actually transform the healthcare system. So we haven't talked about this, and maybe it's a topic for a different podcast, but in a prior life, I was a lobbyist for both organized medicine, the Texas Medical Association, and a large health insurer. And so I've seen the healthcare policy debate from a variety of different viewpoints. And this is the vantage point that I'm most excited about, because what we're doing is empowering people, patients, our community members to start demanding more of the system, People want price transparency. So I'm really excited to see you know, the federal law that requires hospital price transparency. And the law has passed. It doesn't mean that all the prices are out there yet, but people are becoming educated around it. And you're seeing folks from every political vantage point weigh in and say, information is power. And we need that information if we're going to see real change in the space. We've talked for a long time around healthcare reform Healthcare reform is political. Healthcare transformation, the ability to transform the system is, I think, where the real power lies. And so it starts with a medical cost-sharing community advocating for direct care. It starts with a group of physicians saying, you know, I want out of the network squeeze and I want to practice medicine on my own terms and starting the direct primary care movement. It starts with Dr. Keith Smith up at the Oklahoma Surgery Center saying there's got to be a better way to deliver care in a really easy to understand way. So there's there's so many different, amazing people in the system right now who are trying to transform their area of it and seeing it kind of all come together and supporting each other's efforts and amplifying the effectiveness of all of these various tools and models is the thing that makes me the most excited. I truly do believe that we are on the cusp of a patient powered healthcare transformation. And so to the extent that medical cost sharing can be a component in that, I mean, buckle up. It's going to be fun.
1: A lot of possibilities out there for sure. Yeah. Jenny, thanks for joining us once again. That's Jenny Agamalian, Head of Public Affairs and Strategy at Cedera, It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you and getting to know your work and what your company's doing. So best of luck in the future.
2: Thanks so much, Chris. Hope to see you again soon.
1: That's going to do it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. Once again, I'm your host, Christopher Havig. Thanks for listening.
0: Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin.
2: Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit FMMA.org.
0: The new administration has big plans for your health insurance, changes that can limit your choices. The Affordable Care Act created a one-size-fits-all plan. Health care is not a one-size-fits-all problem. The premise of the ACA is that coverage equals care. It does not. This is Eric Wilson from myself Incorporated, and I recently saved a family in their 50s almost $600 per month with our free market plan. Act now, protect yourself, with a plan that cannot be canceled. This is a nationwide PPO plan which allows you to pick your doctors and hospitals. Start saving 30 to 60% today. If you are self-employed, purchase your own health insurance, or are uninsured, you can lock in a private plan managed by you, not the government. Call me, Eric Wilson, an expert with 17 years' experience at 888-448-5370. That's 888-448-5370. Or go to iSellHealth.com. That's iSellHealth.com a free market, affordable approach to healthcare. I look forward to speaking with you.
1: Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry, and we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.